Lord, as we pause now to center our hearts, to focus our attention on you, we ask that you make us aware of the movement of your spirit and that your spirit will make these words that are about to be read from your scripture, that those words will come alive for us today, that they will be written on our hearts, and that they will change us for the better in some way, that they will make us more Christ-like in our lives. Lord, we ask that you bless the reading and the hearing of your word. Bless this time that we have now in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has seen his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have now come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as, we, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I never like to start a series before a holiday or before I'm going to be away for a week, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, It's just how the calendar fell. If you'll remember a couple weeks ago, we started a series, uh, Living True in a World of Lies, where we're talking about something uh, that, that the world, the secular world, says or sees or believes, and, and sometimes we might buy into that because it's, it's such a prevalent thought. Uh, but then we're comparing that to what Scripture has to say, and we're seeing where Scripture doesn't agree with, with the, uh, the prevailing thought in the secular world. And, uh, and I think the, the world itself is, is justified in, in their misunderstanding of truth, what truth could be. 
simply because they, they don't believe the Scriptures to be um, the authority. They don't believe them to be the Word of God. They don't follow Christ. Um, but we as the church must know exactly what we are following and what we hold as authority, or else we will buy into the same uh, misinterpretations, the same misunderstandings that the secular world does. Now, I think a lot of times we get confused about what what is truth, uh, for, first of all, because we are imperfect, and we can never fully understand absolute truth the way God understands it, or, or the way God is absolute truth. But we can, we can come close because of the Scripture and because what God has revealed to us uh, through His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, what happens, though, is sometimes we confuse the sources, or maybe we don't know the sources well enough. Uh, we live in a, a time, I'm afraid, of... Uh, Biblical illiteracy is, is what I like to call it, because a lot of times we fall into this pattern where we don't really search out the Scriptures for ourselves, we don't read them for ourselves, we depend on someone else who is knowledgeable or preachers or teachers to tell us sort of what's in the Bible and, and how to figure it out. And certainly that, that is beneficial, but I, I don't believe that that's, uh, that's how God uh, wants us to do it. I think that God wants us all to spend time seeking out truth for ourselves and the scripture. Unfortunately, um, we, especially in our world where we get so busy and there's so many distractions, we don't always do that. So what happens is we take bits and pieces that we know from scripture or that we've heard, and then we take things that we hear the world say and we sort of piece them together and we come up with our, our own interpretations or our own understanding of things, and, and they're not always completely accurate. And one of the things that I want to talk about today is uh, the idea of Christian sacrifice versus resignation or just total surrender and submission to anyone and everyone. Because I think that the world has, has one of two views of Christians. One is that maybe Christians are angry, they're militant, they're... they're ticked off about something, and so they're, they're, they're aggressive in their behavior. I hear this a lot, um, uh, it, even, and it doesn't even have to be the secular world. It can be many uh, progressive branches of Christianity feel this way. Uh, and I hear th this talk a lot, especially when I'm up in Atlanta, when I'm on campus at Emory. You hear people say things like, Christians are so mean, they're so aggressive, they want to impose their... And, and, and so that's one notion that people have of Christians. Uh, when I, I worked together with two other guys to help start the, um, the Evangelical Society at, at, at Emory, um, one of the teachers that we met with uh, told us, he said, well, the, the one obstacle you're going to have is nowadays, true or not, when people hear the word evangelical, they think angry white people. And he said, y'all can't help that everybody in this room happens to be white, but you, you can help uh, that, that people do or don't perceive you as angry. So you're going to have to go the extra mile to show love. If you want to start the Evangelical Society and you want it to have, you know, uh, to be helpful and have a good reputation here on campus, um, you're going to have to be very careful not to come across as angry. So some people have that, that tendency to see Christians as, as angry. Now, the opposite of that is other people tend to think of Christians as pushovers because a lot of that has to do with our behavior. When we hear people say that we're angry or we're intolerant or whatever, we might go the extreme the other way. 
And then we become pushovers and we let people walk all over. So there's a, a, a growing group of Christians uh, in the world, Christian pacifists, who are radical pacifists. That, that meaning exactly what that says. They don't believe in any type of self-defense. They don't believe in their, that war is ever justified. And, and they believe, they take the passage that Jesus uh, said in, uh, in Matthew when he said, turn the other cheek to the extreme. They believe that that is the answer for, um, for the world's notion that we are angry people. Well, we just need to be radical pacifists, and then they'll see that we're not angry. Instead, they will see that we live in sort of this state of, of pacifism, which is actually uh, resignation. It's, it's not really doing much of anything. And, and it comes from, like I said, that passage where Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Uh, it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And it's a misunderstanding, I believe, of what Jesus really said. Uh, Jesus, you know, he said, if, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn your left also. Now, we have to put this in historical context, what was going on at the time, what Jesus was saying. First of all, we know Jesus wasn't a pushover himself. He stood up to the leaders of the time. He, he went into the temple. He turned over tables when he saw the corruption in there. Jesus was not a push, pushover. Uh, but, uh, but here he is offering this, this phrase, turn the other cheek. And so to make sense of it, to reconcile that with what we know about Jesus, we have to look at it historically. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is, in that day and time, it was okay to slap somebody who was in a lower station than you as long as you did it with your back hand on their right cheek. In other words, if you were someone's master, or even if you weren't, even if you were a, a, a master yourself and then you saw someone else's servant that angered you, you could slap them as long as it was with your back hand across their right cheek. And you couldn't use your left hand because it was considered unclean, but it was perfectly legal for you to backhand somebody. Now, if they turned the other cheek, you had one of two options. You could either just quit, walk away from them, leave it alone, or you could slap them the other way with the open hand. And when you did that, you were recognizing them as an equal because it was legal to backhand somebody who is a lower station than you. But once you slap them this way, all of a sudden you've put them on, on your level and then they can bring charges up, uh, against you, of course. <laughs> so basically what Jesus was saying was... Okay, if you're in a position where you've been wronged by someone in power over you, simply getting even is going to cause more trouble than it's worth. And we all know that. That's just how the world works. If someone in power does something wrong to someone who's oppressed, and the person who's repressed acts back or tries to get revenge, they're the one that's going to get it, right? They're, going to, they're the one that's going to be punished. And Jesus is saying it's not worth all that. Don't try to get revenge because it's just going to make it worse. Instead, take the power back by doing something different, by turning it around on them. And then you give them a choice to, to become, uh, to, to show everyone that they are the aggressor. So that, that, I tell you all of that just to basically get out of the, the way this idea that Jesus was saying we should go around letting people slap us. And not just once, but slap us twice. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus, was, Jesus stood up to people. Jesus was bold. He was not a pushover. And so this phrase, to turn the other cheek, doesn't mean that we should just roll over for other people and let them walk on us. But Jesus also, 
wanted us to sacrifice for others. Jesus wanted to live a life of, of love and, and surrender for each other. And of course, the difference in sacrifice and then being a doormat is that nobody can make you sacrifice. Sacrifice is done willingly. I want to take you now into the grocery store line. I've, I've discovered that a lot of sermon illustrations can come out of the line in the grocery store, or better yet, Walmart. Um, <laughs> Or, or, or traffic. A lot of illustrations come out of uh, busy traffic, too. But, but imagine you're at the grocery store line. You're standing there, and somebody cuts in front of you. Now, sometimes, if you're like me, the easier thing to do is just say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to make a big stink about it. I don't want to start an argument. And so you just let it happen. Well, the problem with that is you've become a pushover. And people think that they can just take advantage of your kindness and cut in front of you. Now, another option is to say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Uh-uh, you get back here. And then that, that usually starts some kind of conflict as well. But I'll tell you this. There have been times where I have gotten into a line at a grocery store or a store, where, wherever I am, a restaurant maybe, and I thought that I was getting in the line and it wasn't the end of the line. And it was an honest mistake. And then somebody had to tell me, no, 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 the line begins back there. Sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes people don't know. Sometimes people are testing you to see what you're going to do. They want to push the limits. You don't know. You don't know why somebody cut in front of you in line. But you can get mad about it, or you can just be a pushover and let it happen, or you can respond in love. You can tell them, hey, th this isn't the line. The line starts back there. And when you do that, you have taken the power from them, and, and now you, you have basically exposed them. You have, you've said, okay, you have a choice. You can escalate this, or you can do what's right. And that's how we handle things in love. Now, if they tell you, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm in a really big hurry, and I've got you know, people waiting on me or whatever, then you have the choice to make the sacrifice. But it's your choice. You can allow them to at that point. But you haven't allowed yourself to be a pushover. You've put yourself in a position where you can choose to sacrifice for them or not. And that's how Christ would want us to handle things. Because sacrifice requires intent on our part. It is not something that can be taken from us or pulled from us. When we talk about soldiers who make the ultimate sacrifice, we're saying that they willingly signed their name on the line. They willingly gave themselves up in battle, knowing that it might cost them their life. But they did it on their own. They, they made that decision. And when we talk about making sacrifices for family or for loved ones, it's the same thing. And many of you, uh, probably everybody in this room has made a sacrifice at some point for someone you loved, whether it be a child or a parent, a spouse or a sibling. It could be anyone. But, but your love for that person... Uh, out of that love, you have decided to give up something. But it was your decision. It was your decision to take a job where you would be working nights to provide for your children. It was your decision to, to stay there with your parent while they were ill and, and to keep them company and surrender your time. Whatever it, whatever it was, it was a sacrifice you made out of love. And that's the difference in just ordinary sacrifice and Christian sacrifice. Uh, Christian sacrifice always comes from a place of love. And that brings us to our text this morning. Uh, I read from 1 John 
Y'all know that I love the Old Testament. I use it a lot. I talk about how it's important for us to, to understand the Old Testament in order to see what God was saying all along throughout history and, and then it came to, to fruition in the New Testament. But I love the Old Testament. Having said that, 1 John is in the New Testament and it is my favorite book of the Bible. When I was growing up, I, I grew up uh, Baptist, but there was something about John Wesley that always intrigued me. Anytime I heard his name or I heard a quote from him or whatever, I always thought there's something to this John Wesley guy. And then when I became a Methodist, I, I started reading a lot about him and found that his favorite book was also 1 John. And I said, well, I knew I liked this guy for a reason. And, and, and 1 John is, is a book that just basically talks about how much God loves us and how when we receive that love, we go and we share that love with others. And so when we look at this passage, we see not just that God loves us, but that God sacrificed with us or for us. And so when we say, okay, we're going to live a life of sacrifice, who better to look to than God and His example? So in this passage, if you look at, at what, um, what happens in verse 9 and in verse 10, it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world. Now this harkens back to the Old Testament. This harkens back to the days of, of Abraham, when his only son, uh, his, his only uh, son through his wife, Sarah, um, Isaac, was uh, God said, okay, I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to take him and put your son up on, that I promised you, put him up on the altar and sacrifice him to me. And this was a test of Abraham's faith. And of course, God stopped Abraham from doing it in the end. Uh, it didn't actually happen. But, but this was, Abraham was willing to give up his son for God. And then here in 1 John, we see uh, God gave up his son. God sent his son for the world. And then in verse 10, it says, In this is love. He gave him up out of love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation, uh, in most translations, it's, it's um, atoning sacrifice is how it's translated. Atoning sacrifice. That's, that's most likely, unless you have the ESV Bible, that's, that's probably what your Bible says. And so what we see is God has sacrificed. And He has sacrificed. His atoning means it's, it's meant for us. It's meant to redeem us, and it's done out of love. God has sacrificed His Son out of love. But that's not enough. It moves on, and it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also should love one another. And all through this passage, you see it over and over again. In verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. Verse 11, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, if we love one another, God abides in us. Over and over again. That is, that is the point of this message, is to love each other in the way that God has loved you. We make this confession every week when we pray the Lord's Prayer. We say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We receive love and grace and mercy from God and so we are going to show love and grace and mercy to others. But we do that deliberately. We do that from love. We don't do it because someone is pushing us over or demanding it of us. We do it because it's what is in our hearts. 
So we have to look at ourselves and we have to ask, do we truly love others in our response? When someone wrongs us, I, I don't know how many people in here have been backhanded on the cheek, but I, I have a feeling that, that most of us have probably been cut in line at some point. Most of us have probably been a victim of circumstance where someone tried to take advantage of our kindness. Now, how do we respond to that? Do we just allow them to roll over us, or do we respond in love? Do we get angry, or do we respond in love? And then do we let them cut in line, not because we just do that, but because we actually have love in our hearts? Because everything we do, everything we look at, the way we interact with the world should all come from this worldview that, that we have that is unique to Christianity. It is unique to, to the believer that Christ loved me enough to sacrifice for me, so am I willing to sacrifice for others, even if they don't necessarily deserve it. There's a big difference between being a doormat and being a Christian who sacrifices. One means to be a pushover, but the other means to live as a disciple and an imitator of Jesus Christ, who was willing to sacrifice himself for the whole world out of love. We were not made to be angry, resentful, joyless people. We also were not meant to be weak, pushover people. We were meant to love. We were made to love. We were created by a God who loved, but more importantly, a God that knows how to put that love into action through sacrifice. God will not be taken advantage of. Atonement, forgiveness, salvation cannot be taken from Him. It cannot be snatched out of His hands. Eternal life cannot be forced from Him. We cannot pull victory over sin and death away from Him. Instead, He freely gives us those things because of His love, and because He alone has the power to do that. That is sacrifice. And when it's in our power to sacrifice for others, we must do the same. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice You made for us by sending Your Son to die in our place. Lord, we ask that you give us that same type of love for you, but also for others. That you will show us what it means to live a life of sacrifice. Not because we've been taken advantage of, but because you require it of us. You expect us to love each other in the same way that you love us. And Lord, as with many other things, we struggle to find that balance. That balance between being angry and being a pushover. And we ask for your help with that. We ask that you help us to live in that space where we are strong, where we are stand up. We, we do stand up for what is right. But we also do it with love, with a holy love, and with grace. Lord, equip us and empower us to do so. For in doing so, we will be imitators and followers of your Son, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.